Hello everyone, I'm Pastor Rick Hawkins of Quest Church in Norman, Oklahoma. I want to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast is going to be informative, insightful, and inspirational for your life. Listen every week because we'll have a special word just for you. The third psalm reads like this, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Verse 3, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. You are my glory. And this is big right here. And the lifter of my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy hill. I laid down and slept. I await for the Lord sustained me. Say that with me, the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me. Arise, O Lord, save me. O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheek. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And your blessing is upon the people. I'm going to preach a message today simply entitled, The Lift. Say that to about three people around you, The Lift. And now tell them there's a lift for you today. There's a lift for you today. Let's lift our hands one more time. Father, we thank you for this day that every generational curse is broken and any generational spirit is dismissed. We pray, God, that there be breakthrough in this building for people, that they would embark on things today that they've only seen in their spirit and in their mind. We thank you that you are able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask, all that we can think, all that we can imagine. God, we ask you to go above and beyond today for everyone in the building. In the name of Jesus. One more time, give God just the biggest praise that you can give him. High five somebody and tell them it's on in the building right now. I don't know about you all, but when I read the Bible, I like to study what I'm reading. To read the Bible superficially will help you. But to study the Bible will change you. First of all, you have to come to the point of reasoning that states, I believe the Bible. Because if you do not believe it, it can help you or change you. 
But if you believe it, that the word is alive, it's not just logos, it doesn't just deal with your logic, but it's rhema. It deals with the reality of life. There's nothing you'll ever go through in life that you can't find the answer in the word. Some of you have come here today with a need for a word from God. What does that mean? That God says something specifically to you that is for you. That's going to happen today. So as I study Psalm 3, I learned that Psalm 3 was written during what the Bible refers to as Absalom's revolt. This is penned by King David. But it is written when his third son had rebelled against him. You must understand that David was the man that carried the seed of promise to the point that Isaiah says that the seed that succeeds David will always sit on the throne. And you will find in Matthew chapter 1 in the genealogy of Jesus that Jesus is referred to as the son of David. Now put yourself in his position or in his place and feel the agony today that David must have experienced when his son, his seed, is now revolting against him. Or his son, his seed, that surely would succeed him in power and preeminence is now creating a revolt among all the people. The Bible clearly says of Absalom that Absalom carried with him a certain kind of charisma. The Bible says that the people followed him. They were attracted to him because of his personality. The Bible alludes to the fact that Absalom was very handsome to look upon. I'm sure when David looked at Absalom, he saw himself. And now Absalom has gained the favor of the people. And he begins to strategically turn the people against David. And David pins the third psalm. David loved this boy so much that when Joab killed him, when he was hanging from a tree by his hair, and David heard of the news that the Bible says, and you can read all of this story in 2 Samuel 13 through 2 Samuel 18, and you should do that. It's a very interesting story. But the Bible says that David ascended the stairs to the upper room. And as he is walking up the steps, the Bible says he's crying, saying, Absalom, oh, my son, Absalom, if I would have died instead of you. Now, this is after 
this young man has turned the people against David. This is after he has tried to steal David's power. And David still loved him enough to say, if I would have died instead of you. Someone once said, loyalty is the measuring stick of love. Loyalty is a powerful thing. And if loyalty is the measuring stick of love, then what does disloyalty do? What kind of damage and what kind of destruction can disloyalty bring if loyalty is the measuring stick of love? It's during this time of this revolt that that interesting verse of Scripture is penned that says, from the lips of David, I am weak, but I'm still anointed king. I'm tired but I'm still anointed. I'm wore out, but I'm still anointed. Who stole his strength? Absalom did. Absalom extracted strength to David to the point that the king is now saying, I'm weak, but I'm still anointed. Can I encourage you today that some of you have lost strength? Some of you are weak and you're tired, and you feel betrayed and disappointed, but you're still anointed. Can I tell you one more time, you can be going through things, and your strength tank can be on E. You might be out of gas, but you still got oil. Tell somebody, I'm still anointed. Come on, say it, I'm still appointed. I'm still called by God. I, I'm still chosen. Yeah, Absalom, Absalom. Where did he do it at? In Hebron. Wow. He revolted in the place David was anointed. He revolted in the same geographical location that David was anointed. Absalom's name means the father of peace. What do you do when what is supposed to be bringing you peace is now becoming your biggest problem? Oh, I'm going to talk to you today. I'm going to minister to you. Oh, you're not getting three points in a poem today. You're getting a story. What do you do when what is supposed to be bringing you peace has now become your greatest problem? Think about it. And the problem don't come from stuff. The problem comes from people. I heard a preacher say one time, I love ministry, I just can't stand the people. <laughs> and I told him, you might want to find a new occupation. <laughs> so David and his broken heart ascends the stairs to the upper room 
and he sits down and he writes the third psalm. Strong stuff. You know, some things in life can just be expected. I'm going to say it again. Some things in life can just be expected. That's not the stuff that knocks you off course. It's the stuff you didn't expect that'll get you. And he starts writing. Let's go through it. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? If they increased, then that means it started with one. And it grew. Many, many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, God ain't going to help him. I'm sorry, that's not what it really says, but it says there's no help for him in God. I just had to go country Louisiana vernacular on it. Hmm. See, trouble is not just involved. Trouble is expected. Trouble is something you can plan for. T-R-O-U-B-L-E is going to show up. You can expect it. Trouble's going to happen. But I have a promise for you. In Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 13, the Bible says, but the just shall come out of trouble. It doesn't say everybody comes out of trouble. It says the just shall come out of trouble. Can I read it to you from the Amplified Version? The wicked is dangerously snared by the transgression of his lips, but the uncompromisingly righteous shall come out of trouble. It does not say the righteous shall have no trouble. It just says the just shall come out of trouble. In the Hebrew, it literally means tightness or affliction, adversity, narrow times or cramped times. The just, the righteous shall come out of affliction. David's going to say it like this. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver him out of them all. Trouble goes on to mean in the etymology of the word turbulence. Turbulence to agitate you mentally or spiritually, to worry you or to disturb you, to put you into a confused motion or to cause you to feel inconvenienced. Turbulence is wild commotion. It's irregular atmospheric conditions. You know you are in a space of trouble when you walk into somebody's living room and you feel tension in the air. You walk into someone's office and you feel things real tight. You know something is up. It's characterized by up and down currents. You are around trouble when stuff is up one day and down the next. Trouble, I've learned, can be big 
or it can be small. Trouble comes in all sizes. Trouble comes in all shapes. But I've learned something. The menial problem should prepare you for the major problems. In other words, do not take small trouble lightly because small trouble is teaching you something. Small trouble is preparing you for something that's coming down the road that is bigger trouble. What prepared David for Goliath was the lion and the bear. What prepares you for the giant is what you're facing today. Some of you are saying, I'm really not having big trouble in my life right now, Pastor Rick. Well, that's fine. But the little trouble that you're having to deal with, if you're having any trouble at all, be it financially, be it relationally, or whatever it may be, is preparing you how to keep your character when Goliath shows up. How to not lose your mind when Goliath shows up in the future. I'm telling you now, learn to conquer the hills and you will have no problem with the mountains. I need somebody to say, get over it. Because most people, a little bit of trouble shows up in your life and you fall apart. It ain't that big. It's not that big of a deal. You ever heard of making a mountain out of a molehill? Step over the molehill and look at the mountain and say, bring it on. Because the same way I conquered the molehill is the same way I'm going to conquer this mountain. The same way I conquered the lion and the bear is the same way I'm going to take out Goliath. Some things can just be expected. And trouble is one of them. But the uncompromisingly righteous person shall be delivered not out of some of their trouble, but shall be delivered out of all their trouble. So here's what I want everybody to shout. I'm coming out of this. Throw both hands up and shout it again. I'm coming out of this. That's the promise of the Lord. The uncompromisingly righteous person shall come out of all of his trouble. Hmm. Some things can be expected, but what do you do when the things you didn't expect show up? The Bible says that David wrote, many are they that rise up against me. He did not prepare for Absalom. Did y'all just hear what I said? Can you imagine that? He prepared for Goliath, but he wasn't ready for Absalom. He took a giant out, but he didn't know how to deal with a rebellious son. Many of you are dealing with big stuff on the outside, but you don't know how to handle your own children. You're worried about the government, and it's your kids that's killing you. You're worried about all the noise in the media, but you can't handle your own child's social media. Some things you don't expect. He didn't prepare for Absalom. So now David is wandering and wondering. I don't know how to handle this. And verse 4 says, so this is what he did. He cried unto the Lord with his voice, and God heard him out of his holy hill. Boy, the Hebrew reads it like this. I cried with a silent cry. 
silent prayers. Have any of you ever prayed for stuff that you told nobody about? Talk back to me in the building. I'm going to preach in a minute. I need you to talk back to me. Have you ever prayed about stuff you've never told anybody about? Because if you told them, they would think you lost your mind. If you told them, they would become suspicious of you. So you just keep it quiet in between you and God. We call that silent prayers, quiet prayers, prayers in your closet. This is between me and God. Some of you are there now. You've got stuff going on in your life you can't tell anybody about. And you're wondering, is God hearing you? The Bible says, and God heard him out of his holy hill. Look at verse 5. After he prayed and realized God heard him, we're just walking through it. He said, I laid down and slept. Boy, that's relationship. When you can talk to God, complain to God, fuss at God. You've never fussed at God? I have. I've even asked God, have you really thought this through? I've had stuff show up in my life and say, God, did you think about this? One time I told him, you said what? Most of you pray in the King James Version, I understand. You pray like this, O thou Lord on thy throne. Look us down on thy servant. Look us down. Not me. I just drop down on my knees and pray, what in the is going on here? Some of y'all missed that movie called The Apostle. Robert Duvall, he just dropped down on that bed on his knees. He said, Lord, I call you Lord and you call me Sonny. <laughs> I like how cowboys pray. We were at a roping yesterday. We've been roping at this roping all day. And boy, this is what I love about the cowboy way in the cowboy world. Before you get on your horse, before you pick up a rope, before you do anything, two things are going to happen at every roping. You're going to sing the national anthem and somebody going to pray. And they just pray just simple. Kind of like this. God, I thank you for every one of these cowboys. And Lord, I ask you Help us today. And Lord, why are you helping us? Would you help our government? Help our nation? Help our kids? Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, boys, let's go to roping. I think that's how David was praying here. And after he prayed, he laid down and slept. And then he said, I woke up and I found out something. 
while I was sleeping, God was sustaining. Y'all dismiss that right there. I'm so confident in my prayer that while I was sleeping, God was sustaining. While I was resting, God was keeping. Whoo, Lord, have mercy. While I was dreaming, God was guarding. Can I tell you when you laid down last night, I don't know what your mind did with you. I don't know how your body felt, but I can tell you what God was doing. God was sustaining you. When you sustain a note in music, you hit one note and it just stays out there in the atmosphere. Like that. Hit one note right there. There you go. Just That is sustaining you. Now just hit it one time, let it go. That's not sustaining. Sustain it now, Gino. You were sleeping. Y'all not hear me talk to you. All this trouble was going on around you. And you were sleeping. And God was. Talk back to me. You were sleeping. And God was sustaining. I dare you to throw your hands up and tell him, Lord, thank you for keeping me. Lord, thank you for preserving me. Lord, thank you for protecting me. Lord, thank you for sustaining me. You held it all together when it looked like it was all falling apart. Tell your neighbor, I was sleeping and he was sustaining. Yes. Now watch what he said. Therefore, I'm not going to be afraid of 10,000s of people that have set themselves against me. Set themselves against me. When I saw that, I wrote these words down. Don't, do not waste time on those who were set against you. Because that is exactly what it is, a waste. You're wasting time worrying about people that are set against you. Once they make up their mind, you have nothing to prove to them. Only God can change them. You can't change them. The Message Bible says, don't hit back in Romans 12, 17. Discover beauty in everyone. If you got it in you, get along with everybody. If you got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. God says, I'll do the judging. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person some lunch. If he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. Lord, have mercy. Verse 7, I'll keep going through this thing. We're almost done. Arise, O Lord, and save me. Now listen to this vocabulary. For you have slapped them upside the head. Oh, I mean, it reads like this. For thou hast smitten all my enemies upon the cheek. 
I call it slap them upside the head. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Don't miss this. He didn't say the unsaved. He said the ungodly. There's a lot of Christian people. They ungodly. And he says you've broken the teeth of the ungodly. No teeth, no bite. No teeth, no bite. It's not what the enemy can do to you. It's what he can talk you into and what he can talk you out of. It's not his bite you need to worry about. It's his language. He didn't bite Eve. He talked her into biting something. Y'all missing that right there. It's not his bite that'll get you. It's his words. It's his talk. It's his language. Lord have mercy here. Hmm. Says he's smitten the cheekbone. And I thought this was kind of funny. I wrote it down this morning. When your cheekbone is broke or your jawbone is broke, what happens? Your mouth has to be wired shut. I heard the Holy Ghost say, I'm about to wire some mouths shut. Woo! I say this ashamedly. I say this with great shame. I remember one time my family member, I'll just leave it like that, a nephew, I have about 50 nephews, cussed my brother. Now, I was about halfway saved. Now, some of y'all are saying, you can't be halfway saved, Pastor. I know I'm messing with you. I was saved, but I was unsanctified. And I told him, don't talk to your uncle like that, son. He just got out of prison. When you come out of prison, you think you're bad. And he said it again. Y'all ever heard the term, I jacked his jaw? I jacked his jaw and then woke up. And it broke his jaw. And they had to wire his mouth shut. And so my sister said, they, I can't believe you did that to your own nephew. And I said, well, I can't believe he talked to his uncle that way. Now, I ain't justifying me slapping him upside the head. I told you I was unsanctified. <laughs> but guess what he didn't do for about three months? He wasn't running that mouth no more. And can I tell you that the enemy has been running his mouth on some of y'all? But God is about to jack his jaw. Can I tell you again? Can I tell you one more time? God is about to jack his jaw. God is about to wire his mouth shut.
The devil gonna come to you and he gonna try to say something and he's just gonna be able to do this. And just look at him and tell him, you're wired up, buddy. Your mouth is closed. I can't hear what you're saying. Talk back to me in this building. Lord God, hallelujah. God is about to make a move for you. God is, a, notice David didn't say, I'm gonna do it. David said, God dealt with the job. Some of you have been listening to language that is unhealthy, language that is destructive. I didn't come to preach this morning, but I feel a preach on my neck. I feel it on my neck. Tell somebody, God is about to wire your enemy's mouth shut. Tell them. Woo. My God have mercy. Verse 8 says, salvation belongs to the Lord, but the blessing belongs to the people. Salvation is of God, but the blessing is for you. Salvation comes from God, but blessing is given for you. God is not only going to deliver you. Talk back now. He's going to bless you. Right in the middle of all this peril. Right in the middle of all this jeopardy. Right in the middle of all this trouble. Right in the middle of all this turbulence. Right in the middle of all these trials. Right in the middle of all this temptation. God is about to put a blessing on his people. God is about to shower blessing down on his people. If you're ready for the blessing, throw your hands up and tell him, send it right here, God. Send it right here. Some of you Bible students have noticed. Some of you theologians have taken note this morning. That Pastor Rick is not preaching a homiletically correct sermon. His hermeneutics are just a tad bit off today. He's not giving points. He's just walking right through this chapter. And that's what we've done. We've reached verse 8. We're done. Or are we? If you pay in close attention, which I know you Bible students do, then you know we skipped verse 3. Verse 3 is the pivot. Yeah, verse 3 is the turning point. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. Come on in here. You are my glory and you are the lifter of my head. I cried and you heard. I cried and you listened. I prayed and you responded. Bless your name, Jesus. I'm sorry, y'all. I feel a preach now. Oh, Lord. I prayed and you heard. I cried. You responded. 
For thou, O Lord, art a shield. Can we talk about it? I came by to tell you today that God is your shield. God is your shield. I'm gonna say it again. God is your shield. God is your shield. God is your shield. God is your shield. He is your shield. I need word, Pastor Rick. Okay, Psalm 1835. Thou has also given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand holds me up. Psalm 33, 20, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and he is our shield. Psalm 84, verse 11, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory and no good thing does he withhold from them that walk uprightly. 2 Samuel 22, 3, the God of my rock, in him will I trust. He is my shield. 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 And he is the horn of my salvation. My high tower, my refuge, my savior. You saved me from all violence. Throw your hands up and shout, he is my shield. I was, I was watching the news the other day by accident. And I saw where a certain country was trying to bomb Israel, but the bombs were going off in the air. And the news reporter had to say, the bombs cannot get through the shield that is above Israel. There's an invisible shield that will obliterate any artillery, any weapon that is launched against Israel is detected, discerned, and destroyed in the air before it ever arrives. And I came by to tell you that the enemy has been launching weapons at you. He's been launching bombs at you launching rockets of destruction towards you but God is your shield it cannot reach you it cannot touch you God has got you I dare you to throw your hands up and give him praise for being your shield God is your shield This morning for the babies and she said God be a fence all around them I said to myself go on girl I was standing here quietly gentleman like but in my spirit I was saying pray on Giovanna pray that protection around them put that shield over them Jesus be a fence all around them every day can I tell you what I prayed for you this morning at your address that God would be a shield over your wife, over your husband, over your children, that God would be a shield for your family. Can I tell you the enemy cannot reach you. God has got you covered. Say it with me, God has got me covered. He is your 
is your shield and he is your buckler. He is your shield and he is the horn of your salvation. I'm going to stop preaching in just a minute, but I ain't tired yet. So I'm going to preach a little bit longer and tell you if the enemy could have destroyed you, he would have already destroyed you, but he didn't destroy you because God was a shield over your life. He's protecting your purpose. He's protecting his cause. He's protecting his promise. He's guarding his word and what God said he would do, he will do. And I hear God saying, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. No weapon that is formed no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. No weapon, no weapon, no not one, no not one, no weapon, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. God will do what he said he would do. He's a shield for you. you to jump on your feet clap your hands and shout to God with a voice of triumph give him praise he's a shield he's a shield did you lose your microphone oh you have it okay Jamie, throw your head back, open your mouth, and say, he's a shield. He's a shield. He's a shield. He's a shield. Yes. Yeah. He's a shield and the lifter of my head. Yeah. cannot stand to minister to him. They have to fall down. That's the presence of God called Shekinah glory. No, he's talking about Kabod. Yes, 
talking about your personal glory. It means copious or abundance. It means brilliance or magnificence. It's when God shows up big for you. John chapter 9, the man is born blind and the question is asked, who sinned? Him or his parents? And Jesus' reply was this, this happened so that the Father could receive glory. God is hear that? He's only going through this so that God can give him a testimony and God can receive glory. That your personal glory is found in your personal story. His glory is in your his story, your story. It's my glory. Y'all hear that? Your glory is what you've been through and still made it. And God says, I'm with you. I favored you. It's copious. It's abundance. It's when God is so big that he's more than enough. That's why Isaiah 60 says, arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. He's my shield. He's my glory. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. My Lord have mercy. I love the way Isaiah says it. He says, arise and shine for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Your light has come. It's when your light turns on who you are. Your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. But it doesn't happen until you get up. Arise. And the glory of the Lord shall come upon you. When does the glory show up? When you get up. Pastor Rick came by to tell you to get up out of the mullet grubs. Get up out your trouble. Get up out your problem. Get up out your depression. Get up out of your distress. Get up out of this. Somebody shout it. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Great amount. Watch. He says, you are my glory, my shield, my glory. And the last thing, you are the lifter of my head. You know what I know about that? If my head is down, I can only see where I am. But if he's the lifter of my head, I can see where I'm going. Some of you can only see where you are, but today. But today. Tell your neighbor, but today. You're going to start seeing where you're going. 